This is Ashley. And this is Kristen. And this is A Thousand Miles of True Crime. Hey girl, hey. So I know we both have been ridiculously busy just with life in general, and we haven't even had a chance to talk. I don't even know what you're covering, so please tell me so I can know. (laughs) It's a highly requested case, and since it's back in the media a lot, I figured now would be the perfect time to cover the Madeline McCann case. Ooh. Yeah, so we had gotten a bunch of requests. When we started the podcast, this was one of the most requested ones. Are you familiar of why it's back in the media and what's going on right now with the case? I am. I'm probably more familiar with what's going on right now versus like the original crime or whatever, the missing child. But yes, I don't want to spoil anything for you. So tell me. (laughs) Tell me what I already know. Yes. Okay. So if you guys are not aware... Basically, this girl, Julia Wendell, she's 21, and she made an Instagram account saying that I am Madeline McCann. And strangely enough, I guess, like, this has actually been going on recently. The last couple of years, a couple of girls have came forward and said that they were Madeline McCann. And the difference that everyone thought with this one is that besides having some striking similarities, like, they both have the eye, um, the mark in the eye, And she said she has some of the same moles as her. She was really requesting DNA be run. She was like, I, you know, I just want DNA. Like she wasn't trying to like, let's just get to the bottom of this. Thanks to social media, it blew up a little bit and she was able to get some help and get a private investigator and everything. Now they're going to be running her DNA. I guess we, we don't technically know any information right now. Um, The DNA has not been run and compared with Madeline McCann's family, but uh, I think a lot of people, I mean, what do you think, Kristen? Have you seen, like, people are comparing it. They've done things with her face. They, they say it's probably not her. I don't know. I mean, I am going to say I'll play devil's advocate all day, and I'd say there's a strong possibility. I mean, we just don't know, you know. I would guess just from another case that I don't want to get into, but you just you see people you see similarities you see resemblances and it's like could it be this other person could you know so i'm gonna side on on that side where i i think maybe it could be maybe yeah i think for me what was funny i don't know if you saw it so they she was putting pictures like comparing herself with kate and her daughter and and her other daughter and i (laughs) I was like, ah, you know, I I actually didn't think they looked that much alike. And then she posted a picture of the woman who's supposed to be her mom. And I was like, girl, your mom looks just like you. Stop it. But, um, (laughs) but basically there's, there's more evidence. So now she's got this really good private investigator and there's more evidence suggesting that she was most likely actually kidnapped and sex trafficked. I mean, there's still a chance that she's Madeline McCann, but if not, they're still looking into possibilities that she's other, that she's somebody else who went missing. So they're looking at a few other cases. One of the things that I thought was really interesting that I thought was that, uh, so again, this is just from the media. I don't know. Apparently the McCann's had said right away, like, yeah, like we'll run our, the DNA. Like it's worth, it's worth seeing. It's worth a try. But this girl, Julia, her parents were like, no, you're like, we're not going to run our DNA. And basically put out the statement saying like, we're really sorry to the world. Like Julia's mentally ill. 
and uh, you know she just wants to be famous she wants to be a model or a singer so this is she's doing anything she can to to become famous people are kind of buying it but I'm like just take the swab if you're what's got you that worried I, I agree like what do you have to hide if anything like it's it's a test and so what if if that's what your daughter's after is like you know 10 minutes of, of internet fame or whatever okay but there there are resemblances there are these other things the private investigator was talking about so if you have nothing to hide why why not just do it yeah yeah that's my thing and they even tried to take them to court but i guess there's a law in poland that they cannot make them give their dna so as of right now and it's not just like her parents like no cousins are coming forward no one's willing to give this dna right now according to her private investigator they've submitted samples for three different forensic examinations that will outline her dna sequence along with the the 23andme style genetic test to establish her ancestry so i think they were saying like if it comes back british descent then they'll actually move forward with uh you know the mccann's dna but no matter what i hope she's okay i guess she was getting like some threats and things like that death threats so she's actually in the u.s right now she flew from poland because people were were threatening her so yeah no no matter what i'm like i want her to be safe and it would be great if it's madeline mccann but if it's not let's get her name out there some more i know she's gotten a lot of a lot of covering already but unfortunately this case still isn't solved so you want to dig in and we'll learn some more let's go let's do it so madeline mccann was born on may 12 2003 to kate and jerry mccann <clears throat> they met in glasgow while working as junior doctors in, this was in 1993. She would end up really focusing on obstetrics and uh, gene genea. I almost said gynecology. Gynecology. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. I swear. I was like, that's a big jump. <laughs> like Delivering babies to reading the stars. No, sorry. So she eventually would put all of that aside as well and become a GP, so a general practitioner. And then Jerry works in sports medicine, but he would later move on to cardiology. So pretty big deals. They got married in 98 and they were desperate to start a family. Kate said she wanted six kids. Like that's quite, that's, it's very ambitious. I'm straight. But yes, but good for her. So she they start trying to have a baby and it's not working out. She was realizing she's having infertility issues. They go to the doctor. They're doing everything they can, but they confirm that she has endometriosis. So it's very, it's painful. She's not able to get pregnant and they're forced to turn to IVF. This can be brutal, honestly. I think in the end, she thought it was all worth it because she was able to get her little girl, Madeline. They were really happy that it, it worked out. So they were not ready to stop. At that point, they'll end up having Emily and Sean in 2005. So everything's going well with the family. They're working a lot. And, you know, they kind of, they deserve a break. So they decide to take a holiday with some of their close friends. Specifically with them included, this is nine adults and eight children. So it's going to be with them. It's like basically four couples and then a grandma comes along. And then they have the eight children. So they're going to go to Praia de Luz in Portugal. 
And this place is beautiful, but Kate's actually not very excited about the trip. And her book, she even admits it's not like some psychic sort of like feeling. She just really thought that overall they could just stay in the UK. There, there's a lot of fun things to do there. And she just felt like, why are we wasting the time and the money to get on a plane and travel with these three kids? But in the end, they, you know, they talked him into coming along. They were there to have a good time. And so they decided to stay at the Ocean Club Resort. And it seems very nice. The resort is, seems secure. It's got a wall all the way around it. They're on the, the ground floor apartment. They, and they have, a, so they have all apartments kind of near each other. Like one's right across. There's somebody above them. And so they have like two rooms. Imagine like a full apartment. They actually admit they thought it was nicer than they even thought it was going to be. So that's always good when you show up and you're like, oh, okay, this is cool. This place, I mean, it's got everything, right? It's got, you know, you got the beach, you've got four pools, you've got tennis. They're, they're actually taking tennis lessons every day. So they're really having a good, good time. The other thing it has that, and I think this is why a lot of people go on cruises and resorts and things, is that it has the kids club. They can just drop their kids off. They can pick them up whenever they want. And they even have this sort of, let's call it cool thing where you can do, where you drop the kids off at night. And I think you can drop them off at like seven or eight. You, you put them to sleep and then you can go back. You have to pick them up by 11 o'clock and then you take them home. But they find that, you know, really that's going to be really disruptive, you know, having to take them there, wake them up at 11. We got to carry you know, all of our children back. So they decide like, that's not a good idea. Uh, we're not, we're not going to do that. And, um, and it's not just them again, it's their friends. They all decide that they're just going to put their kids to bed, you know, put them to, they go to bed early. We'll put them to bed early. We'll just go right across the pool to the tapas restaurant. You're only allowed to go there in the morning and say like, hey, can we reserve a table for 10 o'clock tonight? But they went there and they they kind of, you know, pleaded their case and they said, hey, we're a big group. We'll eat here like every night while we're here. We're staying across right over there at those apartments and we want to be able to see the apartments because we're going to leave our kids there sleeping. So they agree. They said, okay. And then what they do is they actually blocked off the time, you know, every day that week. And they put a note there with their apartment numbers saying that they're going to leave their kids there. And just anybody can see it. I have a question. So you said that they did that. Their entire group did that or just Maddie's parents? No, the entire group, they all left their kids there. And then they were just going to go to the tapas restaurant. And this is why let, let's look, let's get the, it's the elephant in the room. This is why everybody found it to not be suspicious of them. But <clears throat> the thing I'll say is I actually, one of the things I kept seeing, so I actually talked to people from my work and I asked like, is it true that in the UK that that's, something at that time that you would have done would you have just kind of left your kids in the apartment by themselves and gone to you know and they were like hey in this situation like they could see the apartment in theory they were claiming that it's 50 meters like there's parts of my yard that are I could be yeah. in my garden and it's yeah. 50 meters so and then my friend Lucy she actually 
told me like, yeah, I mean, my parents wouldn't have done that because they would always, you know, phone into the, to the phone service that would listen into a, in on us in case anything was wrong. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, is that like, is that a, a European <laughs> thing? And she's like, there was no phone in service, was there? And I like, well, started laughing. And she thinks that her parents probably were just leaving there there and then to, you know, make her feel better. <laughs> and they were doing like the same thing, like just checking in on her. So, so who knows? I think that if that's, and she said like, that's not something people would do now, but yeah, then it was normal. And they really didn't think twice about it. Again, the whole group. And in her book, she claims, because some people were like, you're doctors, you couldn't just hire a babysitter. And she's like, we literally didn't think about it. We weren't going you know, out to some club, we were right there. How old are these three kids at this, at this time? How so old is Maddie and how old are the twins? So Maddie's three and then the twins are two. So you talk to your friends, they said, you know, maybe their parents would do something like leave them there if they're going to only be 50 meters away. Would you do that? So first of all, it's a good point that I didn't specifically ask, like, were you 12 when your mom said that? Or, or were you three? I would not. I mean, we vacation if we are in like an Airbnb and if we go into like even the backyard, we will, we'll do makeshift stuff. Like we'll put my phone on speakerphone, you know, and then we'll call from another phone so we can hear him. Or we've actually just like brought our cameras one of the families brought a monitor I mean they didn't I don't think they had like the high-tech video monitors you have now yeah she brought like a a baby monitor with her so yeah I mean no I absolutely I would not now I'm just saying like is that a like in the U.S. we would probably we did really judge her right (laughs) like I mean the media here was very brutal about why would you do that but I'm just saying like if that really is the way people feel in that those areas. Like I talked to somebody else who's in Dublin who was like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. But yeah, I absolutely left my kids at the, like the night daycare thing. And I just like went to, you know, went to the club basically, you know, went out to the bars. There's more things too. I mean, just like, if we're going to get into it, right. Let's so, go. Let's get into it. Uh, they actually left the doors unlocked too. So if you... Yeah. So the, so the kids were by the front door. And so their claim was like, they were going through the front door and, you know, it would make a lot of noise, you know, things like that. So that they decided that they were just going to go through the sliding glass door later. There's going to be some arguments from like the police and stuff that, Hey, really like, just admit it. You had to walk around a lot further to get to the front door and you didn't want to do that. And then there was some of these instances where it'd be like, Oh, Hey, Kristen, I'm up. I'll go check on your kids. And instead of like walking around with four keys, you know, you just kind of run to all the apartments and check on everyone. My other thing was my son is not a good sleeper. Like he's just not. I think if he was going to wake up, it would be when I was leaving from checking in on him kind of thing. I was like, so then what is he just sitting there for, you know, for the half an hour waiting for me to come back when I do my round of checks? And I mean, she kind of answers this in the, in there and she says that her kids were good sleepers. They slept through the night. If they ever woke up, they would wake up at like 5 a.m. kind of thing, you know, when they'd start getting restless, maybe run to the bathroom and go back to sleep. Later, they'll find that eight or nine months before they went on holiday, they'd actually set up this chart that was rewarding 
Madeline for not waking up and coming into their bed. So the cops are like, you know, something's not adding up here. Occasionally your kids would wake up, but they argue that, hey, sleeping patterns can change a lot with kids within nine months. I mean, she was two versus three. So I do understand that. Just some other, some other evidence. Another question. Was this the first night that they did this? This No, that's a great question. They actually think because they were so routine, it probably made it possibly stick out. And if somebody was watching you for a couple of days, they could realize, hey, at 8.30, they go to the Papa's bar. And then every half an hour or so, they're running back and forth, checking on their kids. And then they're home by 11. And they were just kind of doing the same thing almost every day, if not every day. So I think they actually ate somewhere else the very first night and then every day. And this is their sixth day. So I think they're leaving on the seventh or eighth day. They're like coming close to the end. Okay. This, um, okay. Keep going. I'm sorry. I'm formulating my opinion now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's just jump into the actual day. So it, So like I said, it's the sixth day of vacation. This is officially May 3rd, 2007. And so they, that day they kind of like normal, they put their kids in the kids club around 10 AM. They go for a walk, they're enjoying themselves and they go back to pick up the kids around 1230. So they take them back to the apartment and they get lunch and then they, they go spend some time at the pool, you know, have a little family fun together, but then they return the kids to the kids club at 330. Kate picks the kids back up at six, and this is while Jerry is off at his tennis lesson. At seven, he he gets back to the apartment, and they're putting the kids to bed. You know, they're giving them a bath, reading them their bedtime stories, getting them ready for bed. Kate would later comment on the fact that Madeline seemed more tired than ever kind of thing. She was, you know, very tired. But also, you know how it is when you're on vacation? The kids are, you know, they're... She's probably been doing a lot. She's been in the sun all day. So it wasn't overly alarming to her. The kids fall asleep pretty quickly. They're able to actually get ready and even have some wine and things before they head out to the top as far. So I think they kind of got to really relax. And then by 8.55, they're at the top as far and they're ordering their first starters there. 9.05. Jerry McCann goes through the unlocked patio door and he sees that the kid's bedroom door is open further than it should have been. So they've been, you know how you just leave it cracked. It's not shut, but it's not not open either. He notices that it's, it's sort of open. And another thing to note is that Madeline had actually asked where they were that day from the night before. And they noticed she had a brown spot on her jammies. Her mom just assumed it was pee. And she was like, kind of like, what are you talking about? And they just really brushed it off. That's so messed up. I'm sorry. That's yeah. really messed up. Cause that now I see why the media or whoever, everybody that thinks that these people did this would think that cause she said something. So obviously that means her, she broke from her sleep because she knew that they weren't there. Yeah. And, and they said they, they were asking her and they thought it was like just a dream or something. And they said that when they went back and all the times they checked on the kids, the kids were never moved or anything. It didn't appear that she'd been walking around the apartment. 
They were drinking wine. Maybe they weren't fully paying attention. You know what I'm saying? And they're saying 100% every 30 minutes they were going back and someone was checking on all the kids. Well, that'll later kind of come into Ah. dispute because everybody's times weren't completely aligning, which also makes sense to me. But they were saying, if you're being that careful and you're checking. Now, Kate says, because she said this, that they were being overly cautious that day. So at least... From their perspective, they say their timeline is very accurate. If you're, you know, Jane, your friend kind of thing who didn't experience this, you might not be as concerned in checking the time as much. We're back, Jerry's in the room, or he's, well, he's in the apartment and he notices that this door is open wider than it should be. And he actually instantly assumes that Madeline's probably woken up and that she is in their bed, their bedroom. And so he checks there, but he doesn't see her there. So that's when he then goes into the kids' room. And, you know, right away he sees that all the kids are laying there. So he doesn't think much of it. He actually, you know, shuts the door again, leaves it kind of cracked, goes to the bathroom, washes his hands, and he heads out. He wants to go back to the top of his bar. And this is at 9.08. But on his way back to the tapas bar, he runs into another guest at the resort. And so, you know, they're kind of chatting it up for a few minutes. And when that happens, Jane Tanner, so this is actually one of the friends from the group. She's doing the same thing. She's heading up. She's going to check on her her kids. And she she actually sees them talking there. But she says they're talking so much, they don't even notice her. But she notices them. She passes them on the left. And then she actually notices that this man is walking and he's walking really quickly, sort of like right across the road, right in front of her. And then he's heading towards the outer road of the resort leading away from the McCann's apartment. And she describes the man as white, dark haired, about five, seven. He's 35 to 45 year old, five years old. And he's possibly Southern European or Mediterranean. She actually was thinking he was a local and this was because he was wearing he had like this coat on, this winter coat, and she just described it as like not something you would pack if you were not from here. And then she notes that he was carrying a limp girl wearing light pink pajamas with floral and cuff on the leg. She kind of thinks it's odd, but then she's like, I don't know, it's a resort. He's probably just pick, like picking his kid up from the, the kids club or something. So she just goes on her way and she checks on her kid and then heads back to the restaurant. 9.30, Kate's about to go check on her kids and Matt Oldfield and Russell O'Brien, they're both going to go check on their children. So Matt says, Kate, let me just go check on your kids because they're actually next door to each other. So she's like, okay, great. Thanks. And so he goes in and he He now recounts that the door was open and he doesn't think anything of it, right? Like he wasn't there. He didn't know that they keep the door cracked. He doesn't notice anything about that. But he looks at the two twins. He sees they're laying there. And then he, so from where the angle was on the door, if you just open the door, you actually couldn't see Madeline. And so he says he hears someone sort of like rustling and turning. And he assumes it's just Madeline turning over in the bed. So he thinks like, okay, they're all good. I don't want to wake anybody up. And he, again, he just heads back to the tapas bar. So at 10 o'clock, Kate's like, okay, I'm going to go check on my kids. And she heads up there. And right away, she notices that the door shut. 
And she thinks, you know, that's kind of weird. We weren't shutting the door. She opens the door and right away she sees that the the window and the shutter are open. And she, you know, she quickly sees that the twins are on the cot in the middle of the room, but Madeline's nowhere to be found. She's not in the room. She's frantically searching, right? Like she's going in all the rooms of the apartment. She's yelling for Madeline, but there's no sign of her. So then she just leaves and she runs back to the tapas bar and she's screaming and yelling. They've taken her. How idiotic can you be to leave children that young? I'm sorry. (laughs) To leave children that I just, I cannot understand it. I have a 12 year old, I'm sorry, a 13 year old. And if I'm upstairs, I have a camera in my living room. I have a camera in my backyard. Granted, I know they didn't have this technology maybe as, as they do now, but if they didn't, I'm just not gonna do it. I'm not gonna leave my child. The last part that kind of, to me, is like, what? They've taken them or, or they've taken her? That was her exact words, right? Yes. Who is they? Who is they? This is her answer to that. She says, because the window was open, she instantly assumed somebody had taken her and that it wasn't that she had just wandered out. Like if she was gonna wander outside of the apartment, she would not open the window. There wouldn't be a reason to open the window. So that's that's her argument. The thing that struck me that was a little odd was you left your two two two-year-old twins there alone when you think someone stole your... And like, I get maybe you don't, they don't have cell phones and stuff. Maybe you don't call down to the tapas place. You would just scream, right? Like if it's that close, I feel like I would just be screaming from the door. Like I would not be leaving my two other kids there. She did indeed leave them upstairs. She left the two. Yeah, she absolutely. And not upstairs because they're on the ground floor. And again, this is all a big part of the argument is like, how far is it? It's 50 meters. Is that too far? You know what I mean? If your argument is like, it's essentially like running in your backyard, then, you know, but yeah, I feel like I would have just been screaming like a crazy woman outside of the door to, you know, to get everyone to come up. But yeah, that's not what she did. She ran there. I think they probably came to her right away because she was frantically yelling and stuff but yeah that's what she said that they they took her rachel actually goes to warn jane so rachel's one of the friends she goes to warn jane tanner like hey make sure keep an eye out on your kids madeline's missing and she freaks out and right away she says that she saw that man carrying the little girl and like just didn't think anything of it so now she's really upset and feels like she just let this guy walk away with madeline possibly and around 10 10 Jerry tells Matt to go to the front desk and call the police. So I think there's a little time disparity, like, you know, time there. Cause I think they kind of went back to the apartment to look like, you know, when you have that, like, calm down for a second, like let's find her. And, but yeah, by 10, 10, they, they were like, no, go call the police and local police would actually get there by 10 30 and police are searching everywhere. Now there's a procedure in place too so at the resort where they they have like an emergency system and basically they start shutting restaurants down and stuff so that people can help in the search they they get about 60 employees to come and help and join in the search the only thing that i will kind of say though is that the 
resort when calling the police definitely relayed the message as if there's a missing girl. And they were definitely approaching this as if she was a missing girl. And I think, yeah, part of that's probably like the last thing you want to do is alert all of the people at the resort that a little girl has been kidnapped. But I also think that like this does happen. Like this has happened there before and they always find the kid. So in their minds, like everyone's really at this point thinking that this is this, we don't have to, this, we're going to find her. She's just walked away. And I think this is really going to hurt the investigation as well, because because of this, they're just letting people go in and out of the apartment. Like, you know, they're searching fields instead of, you know, blocking off borders. And at 4 a.m., they just called off the search. They said, enough's enough. Like, we're going to start again tomorrow. So the next day at 10 a.m., that's when they would finally block off the borders. But the border to Spain is an hour away. So... At that point, if someone had her, they're long gone. Some other things that also just made them point to she didn't just walk away was they went through and they did fingerprint analysis on everything. And they, they looked at all the doors, how she would get out. They would look at the railings going down to lead down to the area. Because one thing I didn't mention is that, you know how I said that front door, they, they could have been going through the front door, but they would have had to lock it. That's actually got a direct route to the street outside of the resort. So they, but they checked all those areas. They were at that point getting convinced that she didn't just walk off, that they couldn't find any of this stuff. The McCann's make this public plea for their daughter. And this just really brought all the press there. Like they, I don't think they were prepared for sort of like the floodgates this was going to open. And the detectives right away, there's a couple other things that are making them sort of cringe and like they have a lot of questions about. One of the big things that'll keep coming up is that actual window. So the cops claim when they got there, the window wasn't open. So here's the thing that gets me though. One cop will say it wasn't even open. Another cop will say, well, they just opened the window, you know, to create like a, a ruse basically. Well, which is it? Are they faking it or was the window not open? They also claim it couldn't have used the window because nobody could have fit through the window with her. Even though there's clearly other entrances, anybody could have gotten out with her without being seen. They could have climbed in through the window and not taken her out, is my point. Some other things that the, they're saying they're kind of getting an odd feeling is that they say when it happens that Jerry kind of like throws himself on the ground and he's in like praying position and he's really distraught. And later that night, him and Kate together would do like the exact same thing in the apartment. Really, really starting to at this point, look at them really closely, but they don't actually, Jane Tanner, they're really stressing, hey, can we get this information out? We can get the description of this man out to the public and they were like convinced that she didn't actually see him they were trying to convince her like yeah yeah no like you, you didn't actually see that and she's stressing and the McCann's are stressing this is news that we should really get out to the public and they did it for three weeks it took them three weeks to actually release that information the police tried to make her think that she didn't see it or like that it wasn't what she thought it was. I 
I think, yeah, I think it's more like, oh, you don't, you, you probably didn't see what you really thought you did. They were still like, operating on this idea that she just walked away. Like she just wandered away. So like, and now they're coming back and be like, oh, from day one, we were really suspicious of the family. And it's like, then why weren't you at least treating it like that? For all these reasons, they're really suspicious of the family. And next we have, so they kind of refer to that as the Tanner sighting. And then next we have the Martin and Mary Smith sighting. So this is about 500 yards away from the McCann's apartment. So think of like a third of a mile, I think is around what it is. And they spot a man carrying, the, it's the same description. Let's be real. Like they see a girl, they describe the girl the exact same way. They describe the man the same way, five, seven, everything. The only difference is that in the Tanner account, she says that he had like short hair. It wasn't really short. It was a little longer. And then the Martin and Mary Smith account, they say he has like really, really short hair. That's the only difference. Just so you kind of understand why this case can be really rough. That guy who, who made the account, uh, Martin Smith, would later see Jerry on uh, the television and there was a video of him carrying his son and she says that he was 60 to 80 percent sure that's the exact same man that he saw that night but like the resort could confirm there's no way it was him right. that definitely wasn't him there at that time and so you know just how kind of you know rumors will fly and you know people are really coming down on them so there was other people they were looking at right away there is this local that they sort of had a lot of questions about. So he was 33 years old, Robert Murat. He could translate because he's from the UK. He spoke both languages fluently and at first sort of offered his assistance there. But then he kind of just kept offering his assistance. If you know what I mean, he's really like inserting himself in into the case. And even the media, before the cops came out and said anything, even the media are really starting to say, I think we should be looking at this guy. Because he would want to talk to him a lot too, but he would never want his picture taken. And he just kept stressing that like, he's got a daughter around the same age that he doesn't get to see because of a divorce. And he felt horrible for the family. But they're, you know, they're suspicious of him. So they, they get a warrant for him. And what they do is they basically say, uh, I'm sorry, they didn't get, they got a search warrant for his house. So they say like, hey, you know, Robert, you're doing great. Can you come in and translate for us? We really need a translator. So while he's there, they're searching his whole place. And he lives with his mommy. They're just like wrecking the place. They're looking for through everything. And the whole time they're interrogating him. Three of the McCann's friends also state like, oh yeah, we saw that guy. We saw Robert here that day and we would see him around the resort all the time. And cause he lived really close by, like right there. They've got him, they're asking him all these questions, but while they're interrogating him, they find that he has this business contact, Sergei Malinka. They're just business contacts. Sergei's uh, building him a website and they go and they find this guy and they arrest him. And so they end up finding pornography on his computer and they tell the, the media about this and they make him seem like they're really guilty and all this stuff. And like, it turns out it was like just regular porn. And I was about had, to say, what kind of porn? <laughs> yeah. But you know how like if you say that in a certain way, your mind can go to like, oh, what did they find? They were pulling all of these 
scooters out of his place and all this stuff. So, and someone even burned down this guy Sergey's car. The only thing he was guilty of was working for a creep, basically. Affiliation only. Yeah. And so then there's this weird thing too, where I guess, I definitely think this is suspicious and I can understand why they were questioning it, but there was a call that the night of the incident, there was a call from Murat to Sergey at 1039 at night. So, and they both claim they don't remember this call. They don't even have like, oh, he was just calling me to see how the website's going. They both claim it never happened. And they think it's, you know, really weird. But in the end, the cops have nothing. They clear him. He had an alibi. After all of that, nothing. So now, all the way on July 31st, they bring in these cadaver dogs and human blood dogs. And so there's two separate dogs. And they're going to go through the apartment. Now, the McCann's have not lived in this apartment for a while. They have not gone home. They've been moved to a different apartment in the resort, but other people have stayed there since then. And so they have these, yes, like, yeah, they just right away were renting it out again. And after they clearly hadn't even done everything forensically that they could have, they bring these dogs in and right away, the dogs react to this area by the couch. And then they bring the dogs to inspect these 10 vehicles and when they're walking through, they alert on the steering wheel and in like in the trunk of this rental car of the McCann, which is really suspicious, except for the fact that they didn't rent that car until 23 days after Madeline went missing. So the cops have a theory, though, and I do remember this being in the media a lot. Their whole theory is that they were basically drugging their kids. You're not worried if your kids are going to get up if you've given them something to help them sleep. You know what I mean? And then they think that either she sort of OD'd on it, had a bad reaction, or maybe she got up and like kind of fell because she was in this drug state that the parents freaked out and they somehow hit her body. And then 23 days later, when they finally got this rental car, even though they're being followed by the press constantly that they were able to hide this body. There was only one time where they went anywhere significant in that time frame of them actually looking at this. And they had a camera guy with them the entire time to really buy into this theory. Honestly, though, you have to believe that those friends or at least some of the friends know what happened and lied for him. And now we're bringing random camera guys in. I was just going to say that I was like, okay, so it's one thing if the the mom and dad did something right, but now you're looping in other adults that have small children that I am 100% positive are not going to be on board with. Yeah, let's, let's help them get away with this. Absolutely not. The other thing too is if this restaurant where they were at, this tapas restaurant, they were going back and forth and that is noted that they were doing that. The other couples were seeing the 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 girl in the like no i i don't i can't i can't get on the wagon with that theory they got some dna but it came back that it wasn't enough to read but that that's all they needed that's all those cops needed there and they officially named them as arguidos which is basically their official for you're in a suspect in this so they had been there for four months straight. Their friend stayed for a really long time. Like, could you imagine having to leave me in a foreign country after I this do happened? It. I, but like, you know me. We've 
travel together. I couldn't do it. Like, I wouldn't be leaving. <laughs> I'm not going to leave like, And I get that. But this is what made me be like, I don't know if I want to travel anymore. It really makes you think that like, you know, unless you have some kind of money, I don't know that I could just, which like, yes, if something happened, I would do anything in the world that I possibly could. But just stop life for four months and stay in a foreign country and search for your child. Like not everybody has the means to do that, honestly. And they have two other kids. And so although they did financially, they were able to come up with the means like her company gave her a month of paid vacation, things like that, so that they could stay there. They, it's still really hard on the twins too. They have two, two two-year-olds that are now constantly being, you know, the media is just pounding them, right? You're in a foreign country. Like you're not, it's not your normal day-to-day life. They have family flying in and out, but like, you know, not, not the support group they would in their home, in their neighborhood. And so there was already talks of going back home, but once they were officially named Guidos and they were also told legally that they couldn't force them to stay in the country, they decided they had to leave Portugal and they did. They almost left in the middle of the night. They moved everything up and they took off. I know, especially for Kate, it was really heartbreaking. She hadn't left at all. Her intent was, I'm not leaving until I have my daughter or until I know what happened to my daughter. So I'm sure that flight home was just horrible. They get back and obviously I think they're kind of crushed because they feel like not only are they being accused, right? Nobody's looking for their daughter now. They're really convinced that they've just killed her. And they're not saying that basically, not basically. The lead investigator, Morale, he writes a book called Maddie, The Truth of the Lie. And he just like restates that whole theory that I've told you and like flat out calls the McCann's murderers. And like, you know, he, I guess, I didn't read that book, but I guess he really points out Every little thing that like, like if she had asked somebody to babysit one day, he's like, see, and she didn't even want her children. Like she was dropping them off at the neighbor's house. I mean, he really kind of, he was brutal to them. And they had a documentary based off his book. And he even admitted it for the documentary that like, yeah, maybe we stretched some stuff there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, so Emerald is is putting out these books and the McCanns are like, this is insane. So they go and they try to do him to stop printing copies. And like, they, you know, they want to like burn all these books essentially. And they win. I mean, they find that they don't have, I feel like his argument was sort of like, we don't have a lot of evidence to convict them but we don't have a lot of evidence to prove that they didn't do it either. Like he claims there's like, just no signs of an intruder or anything. And like, they need to just fess up that they did it. So he appeals it and again, he loses. But then he appeals it again and it's overturned. The courts decide he has freedom of speech and his freedom of speech is more powerful than their libel claim. So technically, I think you can, I mean, you can still get this. Nobody's doing anything, right? So they got to do something on their own. They established the Madeline's Fund, Leave No Stone Unturned. And this allowed them to get a lot of generous donations for people that really just wanted to help in the search of Madeline. And so according to their website, the majority of their funds to this day has been 
and continues to be spent on investigating work to help find Madeline. Now we're all the way in 2011. This is when Kate McCann puts out her book and she says, again, she's just desperate. And like, she's just doing anything that she can to get the word out there. And that all the money that they got instantly goes into this fund to find her daughter. And the London Metropolitan Police Detectives actually start Operation Grenage. And this is used to review the investigation. So they're basically going back. And they would spend $23.4 million on this investigation, just trying to solve it. And they still, I mean, honestly, they still don't have leads. They don't have remains. There was no clue to indicate what had happened. But in 2020, so in June of 2020, there were finally some news in the case. So a German prosecutor said that he had concrete evidence that Christian Breckner was involved in the murder of Madeline McCann. He says that they have cell phone records proving that he was near Praia de Luz the, to that specific resort on May 3rd, 2007. He actually received a call directly in that area an hour before she disappeared. And in 2014, the police had discovered 391 photos and 68 video files with child pornography on there. From this Christian guy. From this Christian guy. He's got this long history, right? He gets charged with that. And then he also gets charged with sexual abuse of a five-year-old girl, which was his girlfriend's daughter at the time. And then for this, he gets 13 months. And instead of serving the 13 months, which is like not, it's like a, a not enough time. He no. runs off to Portugal. So in, so he's back in Portugal in 2016, the German police decide to do this like larger search and they go to this abandoned factory that he owned and they decide to dig up his dead dog. So he had this like dog buried there and, you know, they're doing like ground radar or whatever. They see it, but they decide like this guy's good. We're going to dig this up and under it, they find six USB sticks and two memory cards. So in there, they find over eight thousand videos and images and these include everything from sexual assault to minors to teenagers to animals just like everything and he's in he's clearly identifiable in at least a hundred of these as being the 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 person assaulting the animal or the oh yeah. what the hell yeah and uh, and so actually he was out with like one of his associates one night, they're at the bar, they're drinking and pops on the TV. It's the McCann's because it's the 10 year anniversary. And, you know, they're, they're pleading for people to keep looking for their daughter and everything. And so he ends up getting all drunk and he tells the guy that he knows what happened to that girl. And this associate like just called the cops immediately. So they were able to come and arrest him, and then they extradited him back to Germany, where he was then forced to actually serve his 13-month sentence. He was released in 2018, so he's free again, and he just 
tries to get out of there and he runs to Italy. But within nine days, they catch up with him and arrest him on drug trafficking offenses so that they were able to hold him a little longer. But then, hear it out. So he had been running with this group where they were like siphoning gas and stuff. When he got arrested, they felt like, I honor of thieves, right? They were like, basically like, let's break into his place and we're going to like grab somebody, grab some of this leftover stuff and like screw that guy. But so they get there and they end up finding these videos and they watch the video and they claim that they see him raping a 72 year old woman, an American woman. So they don't tell the police right away actually they go like hey if we don't tell the cop if we tell the cops and they're gonna be like well how did you get in there like what how do you know him all this stuff they like realize like hey we can get in trouble and so allegedly like they destroyed the tapes but then they went to the cops and were like hey like this is what we saw do something about it basically why would they destroy the tapes like just leave them there so that you know like why would they destroy or them? Or mail it to, I don't know, something. But yeah, but they, <sighs> they ended up getting him on that. And this guy like, just in like case, sicko. oh yeah, like, I mean, we're running out of time here. Let me just run through some of his other stuff because this guy, he's disgusting and he's all over the place. He's been looked at for a missing six-year-old boy from Portugal and that was in 2000 he's being looked at for the rape and murder of Tristan Brubach a 15 year old boy from Germany Belgium authorities have also linked him to the murders of teenager Carola Sitzi who was 16 and she went missing well on holiday there and then her body was later found on the beach some other cases that he's been linked to include a 15-year-old girl who went missing. Um, they've got like six others who went who vanished, who went missing while on family holidays. It's all adding up that this guy is no good. Okay. This was his MO. Like, let's let's yeah. kidnap or take some kids while they're on holiday and that now that's going to make the fear of traveling just so much higher. The Portuguese police had, they said like, hey, we already investigated him in 2007 for the McCann case, but they claim, no, nah, that's not your guy. So they didn't press any charges. But in May 2021, shortly before the 15th anniversary uh, they of the disappearance, they went ahead and they made him on a Guido. But basically... It's like if you didn't do that within 15 years, like you couldn't go after him. So it's not so much that they were like, oh, we really think this guy did it. This is our guy. They were like, oh, we'll look into it. We're going to name him as an Aguido so that like this doesn't expire. Obviously, because they've caught this guy, they've been finding more and more cases he's associated with. The German police are insisting, no, we, we have information. This is your guy. They can't come out with any more about that, though, the legal system. You can't. It's not like here where you can just be telling a reporter whatever you want, it seems like. And then um, <laughs> they, since then, they've, like, searched some wells. They've searched some of his other properties. But so far, they still haven't found her. They haven't officially charged him or anything. I'll just leave you with um with 
Amaro's opinion on the situation. This is his direct quote. He says, of course, they're going to pin this on this guy. Because again, he's still absolutely convinced that they did it. But unfortunately, that's the case. It just ends there. I think in 2020, we thought we were finally going to get some answers, but it's March 2023, and we still don't know what's going on. Well, Ashley, this was great. I appreciate you sharing. A lot of these details I was completely unaware of. This was a very interesting take on on what happened here. And I would just say, people, when you go on vacation, lock your doors. Don't leave your kids at 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 a resort in another country or anywhere for that matter unsupervised thank you guys so much for listening please again rate review us follow us on social media and we'll be back in a couple weeks with another case thanks bye